0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Apron Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. What it is, but even the fact that we do analyze her actions, and we do want them to jive with halacha, indicates that, you know, the story of seeing Esther as a waif, uh, as someone who... Um, was acting non halachic who was in a way removed from our world or the Torah world, and then found herself as a savior, is is not the way Chazal or the Rishonim look at her. There was a certain growth arc that she does experience and she does become the prime factor. Uh in in it's remember it is Megivas Esther, not Megivas Mordechai. And, and she vatirchta Esther. Esther has a is a prime role, despite the fact of Gedulah's Mordechai. So we do see her at the end of the story as a as an incredible leader, uh, and we look to her in terms of that leadership. But even as as you're going to see in the Gemara, even in the early stages, we assume that what she did was halakhically proper. And therefore, we alter our sensibilities about what we think law is in order to align it with Esther. I guess what I'm trying to say is, you'll see when we get to the Gemara, the Gemara could have just said, Esther, yeah, she was, uh, she was an assimilated Jewess, you know, which was going on there, wasn't really halacha. The attitude we have is that she represents the best of what the Jewish people are. And her actions are a paragon of behavior and therefore we can learn from her what we should be doing and in that way I call her sort of a Talmudic troublemaker because she throws into the mix what she did and her actions throw into the mix uh, a whole debate over what halacha should be in this very murky area but an important one okay I've given you enough introduction let's go to the Gemara right away so anyway, the Gemara starts like this. The Gemara is in uh the Peric Bensora Mora. And over there, the Gemara speaks about the idea of vigilante justice. That's the reason why this Gemara is, is, is being quoted. Vigilante justice meaning you can stop a um, um, you can stop a murder from taking place. Now, a lot of times when you see an assassin uh, getting ready to kill another person, well, you know that the guy is obviously um, not guilty. Uh, the assassin is trying to shoot him. Uh, he's, 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 he's obviously not uh, worthy of death. The assassin is the one who's the criminal stop the assassin, do whatever you can uh, to stop the assassin. And even to the point, the Mishnah says of killing the assassin, killing what we call him the road. Now, and these, and in some cases, it's clear, but in other cases, it's not so clear. In the case that I told you, right? Like, uh, you can imagine, like, um, in the, uh, like in the, you might remember, and from the man who knew too much, right? Where uh, Doris Day stops the assassin from shooting the archduke, whoever it is. There, we know that the guy is guilty. Is, is is is? We know who the guilty one is. Sometimes it's not clear when there's a fight and a person gets the upper hand. Uh, who is, although at, at the point that you come into the story, that person seems like he is the aggressor, but perhaps he was just defending himself. So, this is a very sticky area of Jewish law, which is a rodef Nitin Latzilo Benapsho. And of course, you need to be careful the way you do uh, act. You can't use aggressive, you can't use excessive force. But that is the halacha that this parak uh, tells us about. And it also connects it, as you'll see in a minute, to a woman who is being assaulted, that the rapist or the attempted rapist can be killed uh, in order that he should not be successful in doing his action. Um, and of course, that is, that is, as we're going to see in the Gemara, is a big chiddush. Because it's despicable what he's trying to do, but yet the complete elimination of a human life, if necessary, is what happens. Again, remember, it's all in parentheses. Uh, if you can if you can shoot him in the leg, it's different. If you're able to wound him, it's different. But let's say you can't. You're not a crack shot. But the only way you know you can save the woman from being raped is by this married woman from being raped is by killing her attacker. You have the right to do that. And that is what we learn out from the Gemara and Sanhedrin is talking about. It's a very, very like I call it vigilante justice, but it, it's, I, I'm not sure if it, we would call it vigilantism. Um, it, it really is uh, extremely, uh, it, you know, look what you're doing. You're taking uh, the life of someone and you're assuming uh, that you have the right to do that. You're, and, and how that works, I'm not getting into. Uh, you're allowed to do it. Is it a mitzvah? Possibly. Are you uh, acting like Besdin? Possibly. Be, in this background, the Gemara gives us the source. But the Gemara actually ends up telling us about some other mitzvahs or some other issues. So let's take a look. Now, clearly there was something going on that they decided, Rabbi and the Amora tells us that there was a tradition that he had from Shimon and Yehotstok, who was Atana, that there was a story that they had decided in base Nitzah Belud. There was some attic of, of, of the house of Nitzah that they, the rabbis got together and they said, look, we know that this is a very difficult time in Jewish history. The Romans are, are demanding uh, fealty and there are a lot of um, uh, you know, governors and grub people, and there's a lot of being, Jews being pushed around, and there's a lot of threats to Jewish life. So, or al yehareg, should be, right? Meaning, don't let yourself get killed. Even though there are a lot of tough guys. Going around and threatening death, and they have the means to back it up. Just go ahead and submit. That was one thing that was important to hear. However, if what these tough guys are trying to get you to do are the big three, as we know, avodas Kachavim or Avodas Ara or those you should die for. Now the assumption is we're going to see in a minute. Uh, is based on the fact that human life is crucial. Chai behem, below almost behem. And what does that mean, of course? That means that despite the fact that, let's say, the Chilul Shabbos, or any of the other Averos that, that you could think of, are going to be perpetrated, but it was done under duress, and even though the Chilul Shabbos was done, the person will live, and when he lives, he'll be able to do much, many more mitzvahs. The value of his life is supreme. However, there's three averos that we don't say that. And we say that although there was all three of them were being done under duress, the action, despite the fact that it was not an action of true love of the foreign god, and you would definitely not have um, been involved in the sexual act had you not had a gun placed to your head, so to speak. And you wouldn't have messed with another person's life and it not been that you felt your own life was in danger. Here, and we say that you have to take the cause and you have to die. So the Gemara says, how do I know that... This is true. So the Gemara says because for avot Zara, the Gemara says Rebbe Lezer gives a pasik, vi which we say three twice a day. Some of us say it three times a day, if we are if in the in, in, in the, uh, the hakdama to uh, to P'suke de Zimra, Some people say that the parish of Shema there again. But maybe some people say it four times a day before they go to sleep. Anyway, the point is, we do say many times, uh, at least twice a day, and for some people, four times a day. What does Rabbi Lezer ben Hurkanus learn from that bosik as we know? Avas means with everything that you've got. And therefore, when you are put in a position where it's your life or avodah or despite the fact that it's under duress, you do not, If you just like a lover, you would not love anything more than you would love god and therefore you would submit to death rather than do that act although god knows that you only did it because your life was in the balance it's still a betrayal it's still an act that 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 a lover would never do that's what reveliazer says that's why it says Bechol now okay so let's talk about gilia rise and schwichsdon How do we know that in that situation it's primary to give up your life, even though the man will not live any longer? So we quote the posik that was central to this parak of Sanhedrin. Now we know what that's talking about, right? That's a posik in Parshas Kisaitse, and that's referring to a case where. A um a married woman is being is, is, is seemingly has agreed to have sex with a man and we've discovered that. So the Gemara says that since it happened in a field where she didn't expect people to be there. It was happening by not by ear. Um, she couldn't do anything. And the Pesach says that that uh, it's as if someone has been trying to kill her. It's like the rapist is like a murderer. Now, the Torah doesn't really need to explain halacha, the Torah could just say she's off the hook. Lenara ein It could just say this girl, you can't kill her. Why does the Torah has to give this rationale? It's a good rationale, but the Torah doesn't need it, and that's why Chazal ask, what do we really learn from Rotsayach? What is it that Rotseach teaches us about Naramurosa? In other words, this is the part that says Naramurosa, um, you don't kill her. What, is, what, what did Rotseach teach us? Hmm. So, Chazal say, it looks like it's teaching us something, but actually, Rotseach is the one that we learn something about Rotseach from from Arias which is that halacha that we just said. Naru is the one that we see because it says, what does it say? It says, Ein Lomoshia. I didn't show you that part of the Possek. But says, Ein Lomoshia. Nobody could have saved her. From there, Chazal learned that if someone could save her, he should save her, even to the point of killing the rapist. And that teaches that Rotseach also has that deal. So Nara Marosa is the source for saving the woman at all costs, even if it means killing the rapist. But now that the two are together, a hekish exists. Umakish Nara Morosa Val Yavor, Af Morosa Tehareg Tavor. Now, this was the girsah that was found in most of the Kisfeyad. Let's read it again. Naramurasa is like Rotsayach. Just like a Rotsayach, if somebody would want to kill you, if you don't kill someone else, Naramurasa is the same way. What is it the same way? So look at the words, Tehareg v'yal tavor. sounds she should die. Now remember, the Pesach is talking about someone who has, a, a Jewish man, who has who has forced Himself upon a married Jewish young woman. Okay. It also says don't do anything to her because she was being assaulted by someone seemingly who was going to kill her. But here it says, Tehareg, V'al Tavor. Here it says she should die. That it sounds like the woman should die and not do the Avera if she is being. Right. So even though the case of the Torah itself is a case where we don't know, I mean, it could be the man, you know, is so strong that she has no force, she can't stop him from what he's trying to do. But here it says, Tahareg val tavor. So it sounds like, if you read the Gemara, that she should want to die. And she should say, no, no, no. And even though the guy's beating her and hitting her, she should, she, should, she, should, she should not submit as a living person to his sexual advances, even to the point of letting herself get killed. That's what the words in the Gemara seem to say. Tareg v'altavor. Okay. Now, how do you know when it comes to Ritzicha that if someone tells you, go kill him or I'll kill you, that you should let yourself be killed? So the Gemara says it's a Svara, one of the greatest Svaras that you probably have in Shas. The Gemara illustrates it because it happened in the the case of Rabba. So Rabba illustrated what the Svara was. It's not that we needed Rabba before Rabba's time. We didn't know the Svara. The Svara was there. And what is the Svara? The Svara is like Rabba articulates it. Someone came to Rabba and said, I've been given this ultimatum. Unless I kill this person, I'm going to be killed. And Rabbis said, you then, you should let yourself be killed. Don't, don't go out there and kill anyone. This, of course, here comes the Svar. Who's to say that your blood is sumak, which is either sweeter, redder, right? Sumak, uh, more significant. Maybe he's more significant for you to actually go and do that. So that's a logic. That logic is taken over to Arias, where that logic doesn't necessarily apply. Right? In Arias, you could say, what, well, I should die? She should die? Tareg v'yal tabor? She should be dying? Maybe she should live? I understand when it comes to Avodah Avodazora, it's like, yeah, I was forced to do it, but it's still, I can't live with this betrayal. It's like, it's like yeah, y- you were forced to do this at Vodazara, but again, at that moment, you had to kiss the idol, you had to cut, the, you had to slaughter something for the idol. So even though you were doing it under duress because you didn't want to die, you still did the action. And that action is sort of a betrayal to the purpose of what it means to be in love with God. And to have a relationship with God, one could understand that. Again, the Moranos and others rationalized that they were going to they were going to fight to live another day. And there is an opinion, by the way, in the Gemara, Rabbi Shmuel, who disagrees with Rabbi Eliezer and says that you should uh, 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 live to fight another day. And, and that was an attitude that was taken by many, many Jews. However, from this Gemara itself, we see okay, we can we can understand that. When it comes to uh, Gilearais, hmm, what, what is the idea? It isn't. It's almost like a heckish. And yeah, so let, let's read it again. When it comes to Gilearais, it's sort of in the middle. We need a limud. When it comes to Avodah Zara, well, Avodah Zara is the ultimate love of God. The denial of God is doing Avodah Zara. Look at the Chedah ego, and you can see again why you know it, 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 it still hovers over us in such a strong way. When it comes to murder, so the logic tells you, of course, that you cannot take an action and assume, even though you are a tzaddik, and even though you know how many mitzvahs you do, you can't really know. And nobody knows what human value is. And when you take that action, even though it's under duress... There's there's no way possible that could be sanctioned. And therefore, you have to submit to death. Um, when it comes to Arias, though, we have a limud from a hekish. So, I, I know I'm going over some things that are familiar, but I hope that the way I'm explaining it is, is clarifying it in some way that perhaps you haven't heard before. Because the clarity is important as we're going to come to the the main point. So let's go on. Meaning, all of this is true when there isn't a full-out assault against trying to get Jews to become like non-Jews. But if that's what's going on, then even though it means, and again, go back to the Moranos again, even though it means that you're dead and there is no Jewish community here, at least here or within your family doesn't make a difference, you submit to death. Another option, as you're going to see, is even if it's not Shemad, but if, let's say it's Farhesia, it's not Shemad, there isn't an official campaign. To get Jews like in, in, in ancient Greece to become like the non-Jews, that's not what's going on. But what's going on is this specific mishugana happens to have ten Jews that know about it. He has. He wants to do it publicly. There isn't any campaign from the government to try to get Jews to give up their religion. It's 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 clearly the capriciousness of this man. Of this guy who's holding a big stick, a big gun. But there's a whole bunch of people around. So, since there's a whole bunch of people around, the Gemara says, let's make a difference what the mitzvah is, then it becomes a Kiddush Hashem. And maybe that's what it is, Bishas Hashmad as well. In other words, basically, what this Gemara is also telling us is that. and and, and let me explain it every Avera we're going to say even changing your shoelace because the the Jews had one type of shoelace the non-Jews had a different type of shoelace Kiddush Hashem comes in many packages and when you do have an act where it could be a small rabbinic decree but many people know about it and we know it stands for Judaism, then you're sending a message by your sacrifice how important God and the Jewish people are. And God, Jewish people doing God's will is. That is the the, the Mesir As-Nefesh of Kiddush Hashem. So even though the man doesn't live any longer, he's 25 years old, he could have had 70 years left in his life or more. That life ends at this moment, because this is the greatest moment that he should live for. Because at this moment he makes a kiddush Hashem in the world. He sends, he fulfills his life purpose by showing God's role and connection to us is the most important aspect of Jewish of the world history, is that there are Klaw Yisrael serving him. And that becomes, even though there's only 10 Jews and some little out-of-the-way place, but for that person, that is like the universe. And Bishas Hashmad, even though, again, we'll talk about, uh, what, what, how about if they kill everybody? We don't believe that's going to happen, as Mordechai says in the Megillah. There's going to be some Hatzalah. But even though there's going to be mass martyrdom, mass martyrdom, because it was martyrdom for the sake of being a Jew, and what they were, that was indicated to be the correct thing to do. That's, that's the moment of Kiddush Hashem. That's the moment of saying what God wants in the world is primal. And therefore, even though so many people die and weren't able to produce children and grandchildren and generations to come, that's not the way it's about. It's not the biological imperative to exist. There's something greater than the biological imperative to exist, which is to live as God's people and to live with the purpose that God created us in order to make the world better, to give Torah to the world. And even though it's a time of great darkness that, that that, that God has allowed these monsters to run Rafshad over the Jewish people, the fact that they did not submit and, and that, that message that was sent to the monsters themselves and to the people who eventually find out about it is, 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 is as important in our way to the thousands of generations that would have still existed had that person lived and could have run away and, 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 and fathered other children. And that's this incredible statement that Chazal are making. This is the most important moment of your existence, and it now trumps you living and getting married and having children and everything else that you could do as a biological being to continue the Jewish line. That is what we're saying is the mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem. Okay. Now, then the Gemara asks... After Gamar proves it, that it's it's 10 people, Gamar asks, here's the troublemaker. Oh, Esther, Farhesiave, you're saying anything in Farhesia, you have to give up your life. What about Esther? Why didn't she give up her life? 10 Jews knew about it. Now, again, we all know that there's this, like nobody knows Clark Kent, the Superman, I mean, idea, I mean, here's Esther. She's friendly with Mordecai. She tells Mordecai you know, some stuff. Uh, Mordecai tells her when he hears about big and Teresh, uh, People know that they were. She was. Nobody knows she's Jewish among the uh, the in, in the um, in the palace, but all the Jews know. So there's this farhesia, right? And again, this is one of these things that one of the, people talk about the Ashkelon of the of the Megillah. That people, somehow, Achashverosh doesn't know she's Jewish, and Haman doesn't realize she's Jewish, or a part of the a part of the Yehudim. But everybody else knew.
1: Rabbi Kivalevich, yes, uh, I, I I just want to make sure that I am not assuming more or less than I should be assuming on on this case. Um, of course, we have the tradition that. Uh, Esther was married okay. in time. Okay. But, but uh, there, are, I know, although it may be a minority, there's some who say that she wasn't. Yes. And, and so, he, if for the purpose of our discussion in the Gomorrah, is it, do we know that she was married? Because, and here's, so it's a question about the assumption, but it's also this question. Okay. If you had a an unmarried Jewish woman
0: uh-huh.
1: and and she were being raped. Okay, it's not part of shmad Okay, it's and it's it's not uh, but I mean you, yes you know, okay. So there are ten Jews who know about it, but but what about that? Is that yeah.
0: Yes, Bob. This is really the central point here. Yes, you have got you have jumped onto the central point. What is is the what is the Gemara's question built on? Is it built on the fact that, that there the the tradition that she was married to Mordechai, and as a married woman, she is now sort of uh, allowing herself to violate her marriage, her sacred marriage vows, by engaging in sexual activity with anyone, in this case, a non-Jew, or which is going? We're going to see the Ramban and others on this that it's not based on the fact that she's married to Mordecai, but rather the fact, the idea of any uh, Jew, Jewish woman submitting to sex with a non-Jewish man, okay? And and, and Bob, let me make the question stronger. The Gemara just said that when it comes to being farhesia, even if it's changing a shoelace, or the, the type of lace that needs to to lace up your sandals So on that Bob, Esther Farhesia might be look she she wasn't married to Mordecai even though it says lolo Mordechai lavas right me Barabba revacha whatever gears you have in the Gemara says that it meant Labias that they were actually married right? If we don't assume that the, the 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 flow of the Gemara indicates that not because she's married to Mordecai necessarily, but because the same way you you don't wear the shoes of the Gentile, you as a Jewish woman do not let yourself have a sexual union with a Gentile. It's definitely as bad as that, and it was Farhesia. You hear, Bob? So it's really based on Arachda de Misano, you could say, but Esther Bifariestia, and this was definitely, right? So we we aren't necessarily saying that it's Gilearaios, but it's definitely not what should be done. It's definitely wrong behavior. And since it is, since it is uh, wrong behavior, right? Since it's wrong behavior that we're talking about, she should have not, Submitted to that, she should rather have died because many people knew about it. All right. Now we're gonna see not everybody agrees, Bob, but that's but you don't have to assume in this Gemara she was married to Mordechai for the question to be a question, especially since the emphasis is on Farhesia, which elevates everything to Kiddush Hashem, even Minhagim. And clearly this is as this is at least as important as a Minog. Not to get, not to live with non-Jews. Okay, so Abaya and Rava square off on answers. Amar Abaya Esther karka olam Hoysa. Rava Omar Hanos atzman shinei. These are two different answers. Now, this term karka olam Hoysa, is a subject of a lot of discussion. It's a little bit graphic if you think about it, according to some. Um, there, but basically, what it has to do with is an understanding. Okay, uh, of what occurs when a woman submits to a man, that when a woman submits to a man, she is passive. Now, does this mean complete passivity, that she's like frigid or doing nothing and just allowing Achashverosh or whoever, Achashverosh is obviously the man involved. Or what what it means is that even though Esther is obviously expected to act like a woman who's sort of getting pleasure out of it and acting like a regular woman engaged in sexual activity, But since ultimately the Avera of having relations with the woman is not about the, the, and we talked about this when we talked about what Le Sikervu means. It's not about the foreplay. It's not about the actions. It's not about the coquettishness. It's not about the hugging and kissing. It's ultimately about the act of sex. And in the act of sex, ultimately, whatever she does is really inessential. Because in the act of sex, it's karka olam. And again, using this imagery isn't just like a stone, but rather the idea of being implanted, right? Karka is something that you plant seeds in. So ultimately, this is all about just being implanted in. That's really what the isser is. And therefore, that's something that is not considered an action. So unlike wearing uh, a, uh, uh, a shoelace where you, where, where you actually take the lace and put it on, here, despite all the, you know, the, the events that lead up to it, the action itself is a passive one, ultimately. I mean, there's other ways to learn about it. But I think this is the one that, that 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 resonates. I think the Ramban understands it this way. It isn't about being dragged, kicking and screaming. It isn't the fact that she's frigid and, and like, a, like a stone. It means that Esther Karka Olam is another way of saying all women are basically Karka Olam. So Esther has really been very novel on some level. Because because we need to justify Esther, we have now come up with something which is very, very interesting, and it has uh, a, a lot of ramifications about this Avera, right? Now, is it only true, as we were talking with Bob, for someone who's not married? For example, would Karka Olam also take away the Yarug Valyavor from a married woman? Or from a married woman with a married Jewish man? Is that possible? Is it possible now? Is it, Because if that's true, then the whole Avera, we know that men and women are both uh, adjured not to engage in sexual activity, elicit sexual activity. So how could Karka Olam, which is sort of like a, um, you know, a, 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 a scientific or or sociological take on ultimately what happens in a sexual union how could that now if that's true can we use that to sort of like shatter the Jewish law which says that men and women are both bound by these by these strictures So we need to step back and say probably the following that karka Olam, is true, but it's only a factor when we're talking about life or death. Meaning where what you're talking about is losing your life. So the fact that your life is on the line, we downgrade the Avera of the sexual activity with the man had it not been a question, had she had she been willfully and there's no, it wasn't like she was doing it under duress of life or death, then we would not necessarily say that, uh, we wouldn't say it's allowed. We would actually say that it's, that it's prohibited. But karka olam in this situation is enough to change things. Let's take a look at Rava's answer. Rava says, hanos atzman shayne. Rava says that When what they're after is their own pleasure, things are different. Okay, so let's go to Esther again. Ahasuerus was after his own pleasure. He wants to be pleasured by this woman. He wants to have a queen. All those things are things that he wants. So because of that, we don't necessarily have to analyze and say that all women are passive. That could be considered activity as far as Rav is concerned. But we are zeroing in. Now, listen to what we're saying. It's Baresia. All the Jews know about it. It could be the moment to make a Kiddush Hashem. However, there's another factor here, which is, which says he just wanted to get his jollies. So, Kiddush Hashem would be. There's 10 people here. It's not Shas Jew, I want you to do something against Judaism. There's 10 people around. Eat that McDonald's cheeseburger. Eat it. There's no Shas It's not like Jews everywhere in this country are being forced to do it. But this mishugana got this idea that he wanted you to do it. Hey, I'm sadistic. I want to see you do it. So now, since there happens to be 10 Jews watching it, this is your moment of Kiddush Hashem. But if it's clear that it's not about making you do the Aveira, it's because he wants it for himself. So even though 10 people know about it, that smother, that smooths over the whole atmosphere. And what it's about is about the desires of the, the rapist or the or Achashverosh. And since that's what it's about, that's the primal thing, despite the fact that ten people know about it. So there's no inion of giving up your life because it's anos a nos atzman, atzman shining. Now Rava proves that because then he says, we know that here in Bovel, we uh, consistently, when they have their Zoroastrian fire religion, we give them these these, these fire censures in our house, and they take it and they gather them all into their church, into their whatever it was called, and it was all part of their religion. And it's somehow, so why do we do that? So it must be because, Rava said, because Really, they they like being warm too. Yeah, it is part of some religious thing, but really, when they get that, when they get all that that get all those space heaters, when they get all that all that fire from everybody's house, it's really oh, this is nice and hot here. Oh, it's nice and warm. Yeah, it's really warm here in the church. So even though it's sort of part of an avodah zara, but it really uh, zeroes in on everybody's nice and warm and comfy with the heat so that gives us the right to contribute and we don't see it as oh jews you've now given to avodah zara no because we haven't gone and, and bowed down and we haven't you know helped erect some sort of idol we've given them fire which they enjoy in their place of service and they all enjoy sitting by the pot-bellied stove and and feeling nice and warm and toasty So therefore, that becomes primal. And the Avodah part becomes insignificant. And Ravah said the same thing, that let's say you would have a situation where uh, some crazy non-Jew says to a Jew, I'll kill you! unless you go ahead and mow my lawn on Shabbos and take some of that crabgrass or take that stuff that's growing there, that shachas, I want you to 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 mow it and gather it. Now, if he says, Rebbe says, and freed my animals. So then, even though there's 10 Jews watching him do that, it's not a moment of Kiddush Hashem. Because you're able to say, why does he want the animals fed? He wants the animals fed in order to, for his own desire. I don't know why he doesn't think he can cut the grass. Maybe he thinks you're a better grass cutter. It doesn't make a difference. He has decided he wants you to help him. But if he tells you to throw it into the river, then you know that he's just trying, the Gemara says, to, prove he's this little tin horn dictator and even though there's no schmod going on but he's decided to have his jollies with you you should give up your life so that is abaya and rova and basically abaya and rova give these fundamental answers on the heels of the question of esther now, i want to uh, show you that this uh discussion was obviously uh uh tried to be summarized by the uh the Baal Hamor. I mentioned a number of weeks ago that one of the early works the Ramban wrote was his defense of the reef. Uh, and he called the safer Mohammed Sashem because he was fighting the wars of the Lord of the Lord against uh Levi who had criticized Yitzchak al-Fasi. Now, Zerach Levi, who wrote this book that you see here, Ma'or HaGodol, the Ma'or, uh, didn't only write criticism on the riff. Um, sometimes his criticism took the, took the form of explaining things the riff didn't really explain, but he wasn't necessarily taking the riff to task. But he's fair game. Whatever he put in this book, the Ramban said, I'm going to respond to if I I think he's wrong. So this is the youthful Ramban we're going to get to. But first, let's see what his adversary, the Balamor was dead by the time the Ramban started his book. But the Ramban felt that he was still, even in places where the Rift wasn't under attack, he felt the whole work, since the Balamor's work, was written... As a, as as, 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 to be meant to be a critical glosses on the riff. So, any place, even in places where it's not relevant to the riff, the Ramban takes his shots at the Balamor and disagrees with him. And, um, and we saw before that he really, uh, he did not have as much respect for the Balamor as he had for the Ramban. Anyway, here's the Balamor uh from uh, uh who was in uh, which was in southern France which was known as Provence at the time so let's see what the Balamo says you can see it up here on the board he says the following he says okay so theshogar those are what we said basically um even if what the the this tin horn wants, um, even if it's pizna, you have to die. Sharavei rishabitaora, live, chaybehem. Even though this tin horn, in his little private room, gets pleasure in saying, "Ah, Jew, I got you to eat treif." Shasas things are different. If it's Shasa then even though it's Bitzina. Or, Farhesia, Shobosashashashemad, no matter what the mitzvah is, as we say, you have to die. Now, Vahani, Mili, Kulu, Diko, Machavan, Anarch, Lavura, Yisro. All Averos, the, the, the Balamor is sticking with rova, All Averos, even the big three, are only because it was a It was meant to be a referendum on Judaism. But if, remember the smothering? If you can see it's about what the Goy wants, that doesn't make a difference. Even the big three. And what's the proof? The proof is Esther. Because Esther was Gilearaias. And it was Farhesia. So, Bob, you asked before. the Rambah, Beforehand, it doesn't necessarily Esther was Gilearais, because Esther was Farhesia. The Balamor is saying Esther was Gilearais. Now, uh, what was the Gilearais? Was it because she was married to Mordechai or is it Gilearais living with a non-Jew? We'll see in a minute. But anyway, the point is, is that Hanos Atzvan helps. Now, how do you know Esther is Gilearais? Because of the of what Bob quoted. The Gemara says in Megillah that Esther was married to Mordechai. And therefore, our Gemara probably assumes the same thing. So that means even though she's an ashesish and she's violating the marriage vows. Now, is, 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 is a married woman who lives with a non-Jew considered a sota? The Gemara, the Gemara in Sota says yes. So even though Achashverosh is not Jewish, you could assume that that's considered a That's considered an Aveir like um And still we say that a Aveir like not because she's passive, but because it's all about what he wants, even though it's this it is true Gilearius. She is allowed to do it in order to save her life, and that's the reason why we give those fires to the avodah zarah. That's a base avodah zarah, and even though, even though it's a shmad that they're that they're trying to force us to become like Zoroastrians, we're allowed to do it. Therefore, based on Esther, nochris nami let's go with a man. we talked about a woman being passive but the balaamo is assuming that Rava's answer is even when you're not passive. So let's say if a, let's say you have the following case an Amazon woman right that she is raping a man right? The So again, I, maybe I'm wrong by saying Amazon woman it doesn't make a difference, right? She's got power, and she is raping a man. If what she's doing it is for her own pleasure, right? So what's the deal? Yavor v'Al Yarog. He doesn't. Even though there's no karka olam, but since it's all for her, so. It's one of the big three. It's our it's Gili Arayas. Doesn't make a difference. Hanos Atman means that she is forcing it because she wants it. And we learn from Esther whenever the, it's the desire of the other person that's that's that, that's paramount. So that would apply to a man as well. And even if everybody knows about it, even Bishma Sashmad. Now, that w- that is what the Balamor is assuming from what he takes out of Esther. Incredible thing, really. Now, um, now then he starts saying in Avodah Zarah. I don't know how it could really be like go and slaughter this animal. Oh, I'm doing it for myself. I mean that doesn't really work. If I if I tell a Jew, I want and let's say only only the Jew knows about it. Come come to the altar and slaughter this animal. Well, um, the Valomar says I'm not sure how you can get Hanos Atzmo there because there, you know, I, we understand about the fire. Because there it's sort of not, you know, they're all enjoying the, the potbelly stove. But if it's, if it's to do an act of an Avodah Zara itself, I don't see how Anas Atsman is there. I mean, he might be clapping and saying, oh, I'm so happy that you're slaughtering this animal and spilling its blood. But it doesn't give him direct pleasure. It's not like something that he's getting benefit from. So therefore, Avodah Zara, uh, Balamor says, yeah, Hanos Rova's answer really doesn't work. And you know what? By murder, too. Now, even though the guy really wants the other guy dead, right? Right? The guy really wants him dead. Oh, I hate this guy. Oh, I, don't, I can't kill him, though. But I'm going to be so happy. So even though he only wants him dead because he'll be able to, to take over his uh, his job, or whatever it is. But that can't be allowed. There's no way Hanus Otsman can work there, the Balamor says, because that's based on the Svara. That's based on the Svara of my chazes. That uh, you can't say you're better than him. So that Svara works no matter what. You you can't start saying, well, this is an act that it's only about the guy's pleasure or the, 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 the guy who's forcing my his pleasure. I only did it because, yeah. well, first of all, I would have died if I wouldn't have done it. And secondly, he just wanted to get that other guy out of the way and he just enjoyed seeing him dead. That can't work. Because we see the, the, the innate logic that we say is for the reason why you have to submit to death would counter that. So basically, it's only when it comes to Giliarias. And even though we made a heckish between Nara Morosa and Rotsayach, and we said, just like Rotsayach Yarug Val Yavor, Nara also Yarug Val it's not exactly the same. Um... Now, now, then the Balmur says, why didn't, he, the Balmer asks the question, why did the Gemara only call Esther Farhesia though? If it's true that Hanas Atman can work, even for Gili Arayis. it doesn't work for Shvi uh, Chazdamen, uh, I hope I've explained it doesn't work for Ritzikha, as I said. It doesn't work for Avodah because it's pretty hard to find a case where you're slaughtering an animal or doing any of the Avodahs, and it somehow. But why, the Baal is asking, this is also the question of Tosfus and others, why didn't the Gemara just jump in right away when the Gemara says you're supposed to die for the big three? Why didn't the Gemara mention Esther right away? Why did the Gemara wait till it got to this thing of Farhesia? right? Remember, that's why I wanted to learn the Gemara with you. The Gemara starts with the big three. Then the Gemara says, the other Averis, you're supposed to live. Then the Gemara says, yeah, but that's if it's not Shas Hashmad. And even if it's not Shas Hashmad, but it's Farhessia, you still have to give up your life. Then we oh, what about Esther? Esther was farhesia. Shouldn't the Gemara have tooted the horn about Esther much earlier? So, why didn't the Gemara ask that? the Esther Like Bob was implying, not everybody holds that. So our Gemara, even though the Balomar started saying, is, is probably in agreement with that, but it's not so clear. In Pshat, it's definitely not what the Pshat is, that Mordechai and Esther were married. So therefore, we leave it alone. We make sure she was just a Jewish girl, not a married woman. Then the Balomar has a big Kiddush. Talk about Esther being a troublemaker. <laughs> that if someone, listen to this, a Jewish married woman, Mrs. Schwartz wants to have an affair with the Chippendale guy. Lahanos atzman. Ain sham misas bezden. Mrs. Schwartz she is not considered an adulteress by living with a non-Jew sleeping with a non-Jew why? because what does it say when it comes to adultery it's got to be that it's a Jewish man and a Jewish woman if she would want to fool around with a Jewish man Mrs. Schwartz wants to fool around with Mr. Stern, okay, that she would be considered an adulteress that she would die for. Whereas an Esther going with Achashverosh, even if she's married, even if you assume that she was married, that's not the death penalty. So therefore, we had to wait till we got to Farhesia. And there, because of Fadhesio, so even though there's no death penalty, it's definitely wrong. It's definitely the wrong thing to do to go with Mr. Chippendale, right? And that's where the Gemara answers the, the, um, Abaya and Rava's answer. Um, but really, what the Babalamor has, has extracted from our Gemara is that even a married woman, it's not considered, um, it's not considered, uh, 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 an act of Arias to to of Misas Bezden for and therefore um, the Gemara assumed that since it's a question of life and death here she would have been allowed to do it so even Esther as a married woman since the person she was having the sexual union with was a non-Jew that's not real adultery as far as she's concerned And you don't necessarily, uh, right? Well, the Gemara answers two answers. The Gemara says about um, that even though it's farhesia, but you have a karka olam or hanos atzman. But the reason why we didn't mention it earlier is because Esther now proves this halachic reality, which otherwise, had it not been for this question, most people would say, the same way, if she sleeps with Mr. Chippendale, she can't live with her husband anymore. But it's not a, 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 its not an act that even if she be warned by witnesses, she would not be put to death for. It would not be considered an act of adultery that you she would be guilty of the death sentence if she would do it willfully. Therefore, the Gemara had to wait till we got to Farhesia